Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Comfort Free Conversations, and we're here to undo everything you think you know. Hello, hello, hello. Hello, how are you? I'm pretty good, man. How are you doing? I'm pretty good. I'm excited about today. I think this will be a really interesting talk. So I'm, I'm excited. That's I'm, I'm, I'm excited pretty decent too. I'm always excited for interesting talks, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm the same way. I think uh, I think my social group can get a little annoyed with how excited I can be about productive conversations when they just want to be goofy sometimes. Uh, you know. Yeah, I, I run into that problem as well. I do as well. Yes. You know, gritty, why are you always got to talk about serious shit? You know, it's, it's, fun. it's fun. We don't want to yeah. be serious right now. All right, fine. Pretty Give much. Me a beer. Uh, <laughs> I'll simmer down. Yeah, I'm pretty yeah. much feel the same way. Yeah, I'm like the nerd out of my group. Yeah, definitely. I definitely can relate right. to that. So, um, so then we're gonna get, so, we're gonna be vibing perfectly. Then I'm excited about this. All right. Yes, yes. I think this would be really interesting. So you are, uh, I saw CBT. And so I, what for me, that stands for uh, cognitive behavioral therapy, if I'm correct. Yes, correct. I'm certified. Okay. So what was like, uh, what was that like for you? Like, what, what was the process to doing that? What was the decision you made to, to go into that? You know, I'm kind of curious. Wow. Um, I am a narcissistic abuse survivor. And wow, okay. During my most recent train wreck, my fault, but train wreck, um, mm. my fault for picking her, just to be clear. Mm. Okay. <laughs> That's how I'm taking responsibility. She be cray, <laughs> but I didn't make her cray. So not, not that Absolutely. kind of my fault. I didn't do it. Anyway, um, it, it, it got to a point where she was trying to convince me and, and gaslight me to a degree of believing that I, I literally had Asperger's or I was on the spectrum on a severe kind of level. And that I, everywhere I went, I was constantly annoying people. I was a poor communicator. I was potentially mentally ill, all sorts of stuff. So, mm. and because I didn't want to be one of those people that was like, I'm not crazy. You are, or any of that kind of crap. I was like, okay, fine. I'm going to go check. You know what I mean? So maybe I am, you know, so I went online and I took a bunch of the spectrum tests and I scored zero on everything. So that clearly wasn't a thing, but she was still insisting. So I kept digging and finally I found logical fallacies and, and abuse stuff and, and, and all of these things like the DSM five and started looking into that. Um, and then when I got into just in the beginning of cognitive behavioral therapy, like it was like, I wanted to study and learn about this. But it was also mm-hmm. sort of this weird awakening to the reality of what I was living in. Okay. So uh, I wow. began my research in an attempt to prove that I was not crazy, only to realize <laughs> that I, I'm not crazy. Was not crazy. Also, <laughs> well, it's more like, it's more like I, was, I was definitely a, a suffering codependent. You know what I mean? My, okay. my actions really were good. very codependent people pleaser. I was, you know, I, I, all the validation external, all sorts of stuff. So I, I started to recognize more of where, what I was or where my habits had been resting for so long. And then mm-hmm. I realized that's also why I've been partnering with these types of people. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. You know, and whole, I just like, want to clarify. Why do you always date crappy people? That's why. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Cause you, you keep know, picking uh, them people. 
It was some interesting conversation going on about that yesterday. They were trying to explain to this woman the part that she played. And it's it was very, you know, like it's a very thin line because you don't want to necessarily victim blame, but you still want to empower yes. at the same time. And there's some critical right. things that you have to like look at about yourself. I know, you're going but to. I got to say very seriously that you got to get like that whole victim blame thing speaks into this whole thing that people have gotten far too. Listen, people and everybody, I swear to God, there is no rule against hurt feelings. There's no law against being offensive. Absolutely. Like, absolutely. Okay, when I say I you need to take some responsibility as a victim, I'm not shaming you, but you do need to take some responsibility because living the victimhood identity means that no, you're, you did nothing wrong and the enemies are all out there. But that also means that you have to wait for all those other fucking people to change. And they're yeah, not going to. That's, that's really so good. So it's like you that's have really to good. take responsibility. You know what I mean? And that part of that goes into the fact that you've been comfortable being a victim. I had to take the, I had to own the crap out of that. I had to own mm. the crap out of that, that whole need to be right. You know, that, that oh, idea yeah, of like, yeah, yeah. Oh, like she said this and I said this, but you get that. That's not what I meant. Right. That kind of like, that kind of crap. It's the like affirmation to you're looking it. for. Right. Yeah. External validation, man. It's, it's, there's, you know, I get it, but that's what I'm, at least that's my point. Long winded. No, I mean, and that I think that kind of ties like right into it. That's really good. I, for everyone in the audience, the DSM five, from my understanding, it's like a manual uh, to evaluate it's the diagnostic and statistical manual. Yeah, for, yes. for psychology. Yeah, so it's used to de de to deduce if there is like mental or um, social emotional disorders that are present in a person. Um, yeah, and I, I kind of relate. Psychologists to that. will look at that, measure what they get off of you from their notes. And then give sort of that diagnosis, like how many of these things do you match to, so to speak? Okay, yeah, yeah, okay. That's that was what I thought my understanding of it was. Okay, so so like in your uh, uh, abuse findings, like in the narcissism, like what do you think, like the biggest misconception was that you had to address, like in in stepping out of that, like because I feel like this is a like we live in a uh, very very codependent society. Yes. Uh, okay. What the hardest thing for me to come to terms with was that some of the people that I cared about, my friends, some of them were mm -hmm. enablers and or mm. they were toxic as well as I started to sort of own my own. As soon as you start mm. to own your own toxicity or whatever you want to call it, your your dysfunction, your issue, you know, codependent, narcissistic, bipolar, I don't care. As soon as you start to own it and start to literally try to level up within that framework, like, okay, so if that's true, then how do I actually do that? Just like, okay, I need to get rid of the stomach. So I need to go do sit-ups. As soon as you're mm -hmm. noticing what it is you aim at, you start to notice all the people around you that helped you stay the way you were before in a wow. way that you didn't realize. And it's, it, that was really mind blowing for me because people I cared about, people I liked all of a sudden just like flipped the script when I stopped acting in the same way that I was before and that enabling or needy or uh, pushover. Like I was, I've always been the, like the yes guy, at least I was right. for a long time. Um, saying no was very, very difficult. So when I started finally saying no, and I started saying it to some people that I thought would be fine with it, you know, like mm -hmm. my ex and stuff, I knew what I was dealing with, but like, I guess that's just what I mean. The most shocking thing for me in this whole process is realizing that, you start to shave off a lot of extraneous people in your life when you start to kind of take responsibility and grow up and start focusing on what matters and like, you know, getting your shit together. Mm -hmm. um, you, you seem to 
I don't even want to say shake off because some of it, some of it is super dramatic and some of it's very casual and there's, but like you lose all the people, you lose a lot of people. Your, your circle shrinks while you do that. And I think a lot of Which people hate sense. that. They're afraid of that. Yeah. But they're afraid of that because they right. know they're going to lose I, friends if they start to grow up or take, you know, move away from victimhood. Right. And I think that kind of reflects back to the nature of codependency, right? You're afraid of being alone as if like you yourself yes. are not sufficient. Right. Yeah. So that right. makes a lot of that's sense. That's why my mantra now is I'm alone, but not lonely. Mm, that's so like, good. That's I love mantra. that. Yeah. Like, that's really in my good. meditations in the morning. I'm alone. I'm not lonely. There's a difference. You have to be comfortable being alone. You really, really, really do. You shouldn't always be alone. We're social creatures, but you should be comfortable alone. Yeah. That's really good. Wow. And, you know, it kind of gives me this idea, like, I think something else that I want to touch on that you said that I think is very profound is like um, this idea of, of loving and agreeing. Like I, uh, there was a conversation I was having once and people conflate those two things all the time. Like if I love and care about you and I'm in your life, then uh -huh. I care more about your well-being than I care of what you think about me. So if I think right. that you are going to. Uh, react harshly and view me differently because I'm interested in your well-being and I prioritize that, then do I really care about you as much as I claim to? Can I not tell you harsh truths? Is that something that I cannot do if I'm really supposed to be a friend in your life? And that's right. something I kind of get out of what you're saying. And you, when you start to look at yourself in the harsh way that you expect your circle to look at you as people who love you, you start to realize, wow, do, do these people really are they invested in my best interest as much as I thought they were as I was just casually hanging around them? So I think, right. uh, or, or were they using me or using me to justify and enable their own bad behavior? There's so many permutations, Ooh. you know what I mean? Yeah, like, when you think okay, about it, losers hang out together, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Like they're a group and that's why they Birds do it longer. Mm. Cause it's like, I'm not the only one, you know what I mean? So if you start to sort of get your shit together and you're hanging out with a bunch of people who don't have their shit together, they're not going to mm -hmm. be happy you're getting your shit together. But they should if they're your friends. Right. You get what how that is? Exactly. It's yeah. a strange contradiction. Because then it can invoke some like, like jealousy. And th yeah. <laughs> well, and it also, it also points to them. It, it exposes that they're being lazy. And they don't like that. Okay. Oh, you know that's I mean? good. So like you're you're rubbing them uncomfortably because you're being the change that they need. And now you're like mm. provoking. Mm, OK, right. that's good. That's good. Yeah. So uh, so we have one comment. I want to play it. And then I have another question that I'm thinking of, if that's OK. Yeah, man. I'm sorry. I've been babbling. You take it away. You, no, no. Away, like I'm, I'm digging this, man. I'm, I'm invested already. I'm 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 not. <laughs> even a, I'm just the person listening on the podcast right now. I'm, I'm one of them. I guess you guys are talking about imposter syndrome. I'm not really sure. Um, but uh, interesting concepts. Let's see what you guys do with it. I'm in the building. I'm in the corner. What's up? Yeah, nice Dr. to have you, Ash. Dr. Your presence, man. Mad respect yeah. for him. I love listening to his talks. He's so funny, and he's so <laughs> insightful too. You know what I mean? Like he's one of those. He's sort of one of my inspirations, man. I really respect the crap out of that guy. Um, you know, that's that's something that I found about on, We should touch about that later for sure. Okay. Okay. Uh, and that's something I think is very interesting, like that you say, like you profound, but humorous. Like, uh, I think I think I was just interestingly like looking at humor the other day and found that most humor like kind of kind of strokes the truth. And the reason is funny is because the truth. But the question I want. Well, to there's ask a you, there's a very wide spectrum of humor, but I get what you're saying. I mean, I don't think fart jokes really. I mean, there is a truth and a simplicity <laughs> to them if you want to really hold to that. But I get what you mean. Yeah. Comedians. 
I would say from a from an idealistic, romanticized version, comedians are some uh-huh. of the only truth speakers out there in the public these days, like the the in the media, because they're yeah. the ones who are challenging the the norm. They're 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 pointing out the weird. Not all of them, but uh, yeah, I respect comedians for that. That's really good. I, I think that tell the truth. Dave Chappelle kind of had this quote that was saying, this is true. And he was saying, not my opinions, but the art form of comedy is true. I thought right. that was like, whoa, okay. I have a whole newfound respect for comedy oh. that I never had before after hearing that. Um, Dave so Chappelle good. is but, one of my top five, like, ultimate, like, inspirations. The guy is just amazing. As- astonishingly amazing to have gotten and gone through what he went through and to still have his that humble demeanor that he has while joking yeah. about being so affluent. You know what I mean? Like he's affluent, yeah. but he's, he's, he's not, he's just so smart and intuitive in the way that he expresses things and his, and his energy and everything about him allows him to say shit that nobody else says. And he's almost always right. I, I rarely argue <laughs> with that guy. When I'm like, like, I just think, yep, <laughs> he's fucking speaking the truth. Dave Chappelle. <laughs> Dude, I have a totally newfound respect for him. I've been getting more into him lately. I've been doing some research, and I I, I can attest to the things that you're saying. So we're, you're yeah. right on the head with that. So um, that guy walks the so, walk. <laughs> the what? He walks the. You walk. said the walk. Oh, he, he walks, walks the he, walk. Not he know? doesn't just talk the talk. He walks it too. Yeah, yeah. it's an old fashioned thing, but it's so true, man. People, there are there are so many people out there just flapping their lips, and very few people actually taking action. And the people That's who take true. action are the ones who lead, who end up successful. You know what yeah. I mean? Unless talking is your action, but then you're really getting me on semantics. Yeah. And <laughs> I low-key think, I actually think that people who are doing, walking the walk actually are probably the people that are talking the least. <laughs> exactly right. Because they don't have time. They're too busy Ooh, to explain to you why they're awesome. So those people who <laughs> boast, really, like the people who boast, like I, the first thing I start to wonder when I hear too much of like, I'm awesome coming out of somebody is like, okay, uh, are you trying to convince me or yourself? Ooh, wow. So one of the questions that I uh, kind of had, so, you know, you talk about narcissistic ab- abuse, right. And how yes. to deal with that. How do you, how do you escape that? But, and from what I'm hearing you talk about, I think one of the most profound and helpful things is not just knowing how to get out of narcissistic situations but how to recognize when you yourself are are the narcissist and the one causing the damage so what do you what do you think about that that's a tough one that one's up for as far as i know and if dr pete's in here he can back me up that one's still up for mad debate these days Mm. because um almost by definition a narcissist doesn't go in for therapy unless forced they think they're fine they think that they are they're entitled. They believe that their their narrative of the world is correct, and they're constantly doing control damage control to make sure that their narrative is maintained. That's why they're you know what I mean. So okay, for them to go to a therapist, usually they have to go court ordered, um, not always, but very often, and then quite often some of them end up fully gaslighting the therapist. Like not all therapists are ready for it unless they've actually had experience with a person who's really high on that narcissistic spectrum. I mean, we all, we all display a certain level of narcissism to a degree. Like this isn't a black or white. I I hate false dichotomies. And like, this isn't a black or white where we are complicated organisms, extremely Mm. complicated. 
So it's not like we can, we, we try to simplify this so that we can so that we can conceptualize it in a way that makes sense to us, but don't confuse mm -hmm. the fact that there, this is very, very, very intricate work. And each and every one of us is a different cocktail of combinations of experiences and trauma. So wow. even your average narcissist, it's not like they all rank a 10, you know what I mean? Like there's this huge long decimal point of like how, how different we all can be because we're all individuals. So you, mm -hmm. you can be a narcissist, like two narcissists aren't anything alike except for their tactics on how they control their, their world. Okay. But like, there's so many other things that could be different because we're all individuals. So it's really, it's really hard to spot a true narcissist that's, you know, clinically diagnosable. And even that's up for debate. Like what is clinically diagnosable? So you get what I mean? It's, it's a huge mm. gray area in the field. And I think, um, traditional psychology and behavioral and all this new kind of uh, positive psychology, I think is the group they call it, um, which would be the group I suppose I side on. Um, but they're arguing a lot about exactly what it means. Like, how are we going to be diagnosing or should we be diagnosing or should they be diagnosing? You, you get what I mean. Um, mm -hmm. But narcissism itself is, is really hard to spot and they just don't go in for therapy. And if they do wow. sometimes, a, a therapist who hasn't experienced or had a, a severe amount of training. And I don't know what that, what all goes into that. My, my experience comes through my experience um, of being abused. So it's different for me, but unless mm -hmm. you've got that experience, it's very often that you can think the, the person who's explaining this crazy narrative of what's happening behind the scenes, you know, like what a narcissist does in private, it mm -hmm. ends up sounding like you are, you're, you're, you're a paranoid and maybe delusional. Wow. Especially if the narcissist next to you is so good at gaslighting and making you look crazy because they often have a really, really charming and charismatic public mask. Right. Mm, really I, charming. Yeah. Yeah. So. I think that kind of is perfect in kind of the, the topic for today. You're talking about perfectionism and expectations. What do you yeah. kind of feel like? What do you kind of feel like that charming personality, that char charisma that they care about? What are the impacts of this, I, how does, how does perfectionism relate to that? Like, is it a, is it a coping mechanism? Are they looking for something specific? Ooh, is it an emotional you mean like the narcissist wound? themselves? Um, yes. They believe that if they can control, and this is, this is my opinion. Um, okay. To be clear. Cause it's, it's, like I said, it's very up to debate. Um, mm -hmm. They desperately need to control everything that it was in, that it has become part of their narrative. And the reason wow. that they need to control that is because they believe that if they control everything, they will completely nullify pain and, and sadness. Like they wow. can make a perfect world. They are more or less trying to force you to join their imagined perfect narrative. And that's why okay. it's ultimately unattainable, you know, for multiple okay. reasons. But for that alone, it's unattainable because perfection is unattainable. Right. Um, but they, they do. Yeah. That's why, that's why the eggshells, you know, you're always walking on eggshells because if you do anything that upsets them, they explode. Like they want their world to be exactly the way they think it should be. Um, mm. And yeah, that's usually what ends up draining those people around them, uh, you know, and or codependence feed off the opposite side of that. Okay. Constantly trying to please constantly thinking I can save this person with my love. Okay. Ooh, wow. And so, so what is that? I, I, I think that reminds me, you know, we, the common term people use a lot, like projection, like projecting something onto someone. Is that, mm. is that rooted in themselves? Like, are they looking to solve a problem inside of themselves? 
More or less, yes. And this is just, again, my opinion. What they're trying to do is to avoid past trauma by controlling their future. Ooh, even if that right? future is repeating in other people. Right, absolutely. Well, they, they're blind to that part of it. They're too okay. hyper-focused from my experience. You got to remember, most narcissists are not self-aware that they're narcissists. In fact, they would completely argue that they are. So they're not like super geniuses coming up with a master plan. This is their instinctual decision from almost childhood on how they're going to operate in the world. What they think is wow. the smartest way for, to survive, which is why they fight so desperately. And they say that they, you know, they, they don't think they're crazy because they're not crazy. They've just chosen this very different narrative of like the way mm. the world works and the best way to cope with it. Mm. You know? Okay. Okay, that makes sense. So then with that being said, like, well, what would some of the causes of narcissism even be? How would we how would we identify? Like, oh, well, I mean, let's be real. Like I said, oh, we're gonna have to play some of these messages in a sec. But I'll, I'll, I'll try okay. to sum that up. Like, like I said, everyone to like narcissism is a human trait. It's not evil. Um, right. Like we say almost anything, uh, everything in moderation, right? Including right. moderation. I like to add that including moderation. <laughs> Sometimes you gotta get fucked up. Um, but the same thing goes for almost any of our emotional traits or, or, or personality types, right? So narcissism yeah. is a very, very useful tool in small amounts when it comes to how you need to, when it comes to confidence or believing in yourself to believe in yourself is like very low key narcissistic, right? It's, okay. it's like a, it's like a point one or point five or whatever on that scale. So we mm -hmm. all have it. And as children, you're basically learning how to be a human being. So all of those emotions are flying around in you. So there are times when children are like epically narcissistic naturally. And that's up to the parents mm -hmm. to go, whoa, boundaries, inappropriate. Kid readjusts mm -hmm. and they're updating their software, so on and so forth. But if the parent is either abusive in some way, narcissistic themselves, toxically codependent themselves, you name it. If any of those dynamics exist, those are the examples of different life formats that the kid is looking at. Okay. So, you know what I mean? We all do a little bit of narcissistic testing when we're kids, but if we're not corrected and or what we see around us mirrors that, we sort of settle into that as what is normal because it matches. Okay. Right? It mm -hmm. makes sense, right? We're like, oh, this is normal. And that's right. why it gets so locked in at such a young age because we're not even thinking about whether or not it's good or bad for our future. We're just thinking... I'm trying to figure out a way to fit into my family group, usually. Right. Right. Okay. How do I get and preserve? Life? Yeah, exist, survive. Mm -hmm. So, which is, which makes sense because we know that like a firm sense of morality in, in people typically forms in, in childhood, like about five years yes. of age. We, you know, yep. that rudimentary. Yeah. So that makes a lot of sense. So let's play some of these, uh, these comments. We got a bunch of them piling up. Sounds great. Right, I'll let you, I'll let you hit them. Okay. I think that sometimes for other people, it's easier for them to communicate and to say that they can live up to their own expectations, but are not as able to put themselves in motion with their actions. Interesting. But if they're not willing to put themselves into motion with their actions, are they living up to their expectations? Mm. I, th I think that would be the thing that I would I would say, like. Like the only evidence, like people, people, I, I don't personally myself believe in blind faith. I think it's in the evidence. Like no. I don't necessarily, yeah. for example, 
for example, I don't believe that love is a dem- demonstrable action. I don't think you can reduce it to an action just because I'm that's and that's I think that's right in line with what we're talking about perfection. Is yeah, a, you can do a loving act <laughs> and not be loved. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah. the act is the evidence that the love is there if it is there. Yes. Right. Watch what yeah. people do, not what they say. That is where the real person resides. That's good. All right. Let's get another one. I think maybe that a way to identify a narcissist is to kind of look at the people that are close to that person um, because mm. they're going to be abused. They're going to be broken. They're going to be <laughs> beat up on. And so to me, that's kind of the way you can see is the, the effect that they've had on the people close to them. Mm. That's good. Yeah. You want to learn okay. anything about anybody, though, look at their friends mm-hmm. and see how they interact with their friends. I mean, I'm almost always I'm, I'm astonished with how many people who date who will get really, really serious before they ever meet their partner's friends. OK, like the, the group yeah. of people that 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 you hang out with is a representation of your personality to a degree. Absolutely. Right. Regardless of how much you like it or not. Right. Like that's your group. Mm-hmm. Um, and you tend to be part of the average of that group of, I don't know, five or so people that are in your closest circle. Right. So you should know your partner or your future partner's circle early on because they're going to act differently with them than they do with you. Um, (laughs) And ideally as time progresses, that will, that will sort of gray out and they'll be end up doing both with you. Right. Like Mm. that's like, you know what I mean? Your partner should treat (laughs) you the same way they treat their friends. And then also romantically. Um, and I think a lot of people skip that. I think a lot of people skip that. I think, I think that's true. I was just talking about this the other day. Like people had this conversation about, I knew them for so long and that you <laughs> can't know the red flag. I totally, I, I, I'm I in defense of these people. This is uh, what I say. I don't know. You're blind oh, no. to the red flags because you don't want to see them. And I respect that. I didn't either, but they're there. This is what I say. This is what I say. <laughs> I, I know the red flags are there. But you have to introduce people to the right environments for the red flags to show themselves. Because as you're telling me, Contrast. narcissism. Yes, you yes, explain exactly right. Um, yeah. If you have one narcissistic parent, but another parent who is, say, not like toxically codependent or like the other side of that, but another parent who's being abused, their mm-hmm. contrast and how they react to that kid is what shows the kid which is the correct and which is the incorrect behavior, so to speak. Or incorrect, incorrect is wrong. More like uh, um, most beneficial for positive life you know what i mean like or more mm-hmm. more in tune with their natural instincts because if you've got a narcissistic parent and you're a kid you're going to feel that nasty vampirish drain all the time like most people do right. when they're dealing with narcissists right they're energy vampires but when you yeah. see the other parent who's being drained as well and then they refill themselves because they've got fortitude or they've got patience or they're really trying whatever it is you know what i mean then mm-hmm. again, that shows the kid, oh, you can, you can do that too, right? Again, examples, examples, examples. We always think like as a parent, I'm the example of a father or a man. It's not just that you're the example of a man, you're an example of a human being, how you regulate your emotions, how you deal with trauma, how you, how you go up against challenges. Do you have any freaking response? Like, are you responsible and do you get shit done? Like all that stuff is what a kid is watching, not just how you right. are as a man or a woman to another it's not always about romantic you know what i mean we always focus mm-hmm. on that yeah it's like how you examples are for everything yeah right. eating 
exercising, working, all that stuff. The ethics show and the kids mimic. Yeah, I think that's really good. And, and, and I, I mean, it, it would go to show because if I choose to be with the person, I didn't choose to be with them for some compartmentalized version of them. I chose all of them. Right. So why wouldn't the thing that I reproduce be paying attention to all of them? It's not that mommy and daddy are just titles that they associate in their heads. They're titles right. to associate with the entire person, not just yeah. what a dad is. Right, right. At that age, they don't even really understand the, the, that uh, gender difference, really. It's just mom mm. and dad are two different parents, right? They're still right. learning all that stuff. So they don't think right. man, woman. <laughs> They're not even doing that at <laughs> they all think, yet. They, they just think, think two people, Karen and two Bob, very you know, different like... people. Yeah, exactly. Mom and dad. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> that makes sense. We got some more of these things uh, coming up and I want to uh, bounce back off of what I was. Yeah. They're, they're, they're piling up there. I guess people are tuning in. So what I'm right. saying is just kind of count the body count you know look at the body count that's around that person yeah mm -hmm. oh, yep they're a narcissist so yeah. i have two things that i want to say to that one let me uh the comment so i'm saying i do but like as you're saying narcissists guise themselves very well they're extremely charismatic right and i can spend an extraneous amount of time with you in a particular comfortable environment and that environment doesn't do anything to expose you know, like you were saying, like, have they have you met this person's friends? Like, what right. if we only date in between ourselves? We date for three years. And the way that we date is we go to a restaurant three times a week or something of that nature. Or, I still or haven't... maybe it's not just a romantic partner. What if you're working with them? Ooh, that's OK. You know that what makes I mean? Sense. So there's there's so many different relationship dynamics that this plays into. Right. So, so what I what I'm uh, think is when you introduce conflicting situations and mm -hmm. like uh, dynamic variables, let's say like like say uh, a very critical friend or or a dangerous situation or anything of that nature, then you you're now applying pressure in places to expose some like red flags. You know, like right. whoa, okay, seeing them in this light and how they're interacting with their parents or or how they're interacting with people outside of the work field or or things yeah. of that nature. Like wow. A really good, a really good that. litmus test is see how often they hear the word no. Mm. Mm. Like watch that. <laughs> that's a real, that's not, a, it's not like a hundred percent guarantee, but I get, I, I really believe like if you, you hang around someone for a couple of weeks and mm -hmm. they don't, they fight you hard when you say no, and you don't hear anybody else in their world, tell them no, mm -hmm. probably a red flag that that person, you know, doesn't, is not very good at compromise. So, mm, wow. You know, before you even bother to get super deep with them and think about trying to make them compromise, like take a breath. You know what I mean? Guys love that math or like she's hot enough to try. It's like, no, she's not. There are so many women out there. We've got like, what is it? Eight billion people on the planet, like almost almost mm -hmm. nine. Like there's right. plenty of people, people like it's not a scarce thing. Partners <laughs> are not a scarcity. Everybody acts like this must this must be the one. That's why I really, really and this speaks to perfectionism, too. Why I completely fight and, and go hard against that soulmate idea. That is a myth. I, I completely agree. Like if you think if there's one person to match you and identify with you, then if that one person then chooses to go and marry another person, then that right. screws up marriage up? for so many people. <laughs> right. Right. Not to mention, now again, this, this that's chasing of... perfectionism. Oh, wow. The perfect person for me. Right. 
Wow. Yeah. And then you put it, then you start to create this model of what you think that is expectations. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> you know, when you just run just like, just that little bit of data, it's like run the numbers. You yeah. know what I mean? And that everyone yeah. thinks the next person they meet, this might be the one. It's like, come on, people. Too many Disney movies. Let's, we got to stop that. We got to stop that. Yeah. And, and I think we feed into, okay, so part of my reason, what I think and my theory too, about by the way. I why, we, why we've come to this conclusion of, of perfectionism, because yeah, like you said, me too, like we, we feed into it as well. Like I think, I think it's uh, something everyone feeds into to some degree. But mm-hmm. uh, I think par- uh, part of the reason is because I think of the American identity is like to commodify things and place like a great value on something. I think that's how we date. Like we date like yeah. how, how well are you as a consumer product? Like are we yep. both great consumer products for each other and not Absolutely. necessarily sharing each other with each other, if that makes sense. Right. That's why so much dating now is like interview style, which is ridiculous. Mm. You know, or these, I, I'm, it blows my mind when I'm talking because I, you know, I have a couple of couples that have been clients, you know, for this, you know, mental health coaching and like, it blows my mind how often they get to, they get to, <laughs> they think there's some sort of way that they can like negotiate desire. Um, it, it just, it, the list goes on and on and on. People are just, we've, we've got to stop trying to be so, this like idea of pure true and perfect love that we find once in a lifetime that blows our minds. This, the Hollywood promise. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, like, it's like, it sounds so ridiculous to say, but like God, people, TV and movies aren't real. Neither are the stories that we create that we write books for romance. Not, none of it's real. It's fantasy, all of it. And that's because the real world's not like that on purpose. <laughs> It's more complicated than a human can write into a book. Um, but right. we all just have bought into it, right? I mean, I did too. I'm 41. I've been divorced twice. It took me wow. 39 years to grow up. Wow. Okay. So, And those are some harsh truths that to, to admit. You got to own it, man. To yourself. Yeah. You know, but I always, I, I say this too. It's like, I'm neither proud nor ashamed of my past. I did those that's, things. That's good. That's good. You know, I'm neither proud or ashamed. That's that's really good. I think it's typically one or or the other. You're typically right. ashamed of what you've done, or you're proud, and and you never. There's no no balance there. Of, I'm not no. ashamed, but I'm also I'm human. I make mistakes. I don't have to be proud of the mistakes that I made, but I don't nope. have to be ashamed of them either. Yeah, you that's don't really have to good. defend them either, as long as you learn. Right. If you learned, then those mistakes are something you kind of look back at positively to a degree. It still has that bitter taste, but you're like, yep, never fucking doing that again. I learned that one, <laughs> you know? And then when it, the, in the future, when you come up to that thing and, you're, and, you, and you see that and you say no, it feels amazing. It really does. You're mm-hmm. like, ah, I see the red flag and I'm going to pay attention this time. Mm. You know, it okay. doesn't mean you run away, but you pay attention. It feels so much better to feel like you're paying attention. It's like, oh, okay. So you can still get into that romantic honeymoon phase without losing your whole brain. Wow. Right, because you're not, okay, you don't just belong to this relationship. You're, right. you're still a, an entire person and it doesn't you're have to shopping. be dedicated. Yeah. <laughs> that's what we're doing, you know, with romance. But, you know, you're looking for a partner that's compatible long-term, more or less, unless that's not what you're looking for. But again, then we get to communication and I'm totally going sideways. Anyway, 
we're, well, we're one more thing, because you're you're onto something here. I guess it's just what people need to hear. One more thing I want to say that, uh, and then we get, we got to play some of these uh, comments. Yeah. This, this quite Hi, everybody. Thing. Thank you so much. There is a difference. <laughs> like you're in relationship, you're not comparing a person's value. You're comparing compatibility. Yes. You're not, you're not, oh, this is a perfect product. Great. I'm going to purchase it. No, you're, no. You're, you're looking at a person and comparing how compatible with you. And if just right. because one person is more compatible with you than another person does not mean that they're of a higher value than another person. No, no. But it's important to keep that in mind because it's not just whether or not they have to be attractive and compatible. Right. Absolutely. Usually we skip stressing about compatible and we, we sort of fill in the blanks if they're attractive. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, ah, yeah. yeah. I wouldn't say this fine. is compatible, but it's bearable, right. I guess. Right. They're, they're well, cute. yeah. But yeah, exactly. But like, think of how much, and I, I, I think I said this in Dr. Pete's talk the other day too. Think of how much we prioritize that and how utterly ridiculous that is for when it like, comes to a realistic positive outcome. Mm. Like, come on. Like, I agree. Hot is fantastic. But hot, if it's the only good thing, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's not yeah. good enough. By it's not far. going in a good direction from there. No. Yeah. For me, at this point, when you're talking about really, really, really beautiful, like, that's, that's icing on the cake if you're lucky. But honestly, that's, you know what I mean? To me, it just doesn't register anymore. If I, I, mm. I still notice pretty like a real beautiful woman, but my mm -hmm. brain automatically goes, okay, one box is checked, but there's like 40 more. So I don't like <laughs> to suddenly act like an idiot anymore, but it also means I don't engage as much anymore. So that's very strange right. too. That's sort of what I'm working on. So right. I'm also comfortable I, I with it. Like I'm not to... lonely. So it's more just like now I've gotten a lot pickier, but I'm, I'm not like dark or black pill about it or anything like that, you know? Yeah. I, I and I completely understand what you're saying. Like, like my first thing, because like, have, I, there's like this psychological effect. I think it's common for people, but I, for myself, it's like you can be attractive as all outdoors, but the moment that I start to see your character reflect in particular ways, you will literally stop being physically attractive to me. Yep, yep. All of it, yeah. all of it shifts. It's weird. It goes. You, she goes from princess to witch, like from Disney standpoint, right? Like some kind of ghoul. <laughs> You know, like what what was really sexy in her movements sort of becomes ghoulish for me. Like, yeah. you know, I'm I'm being really extreme in my example here just to prove a point. It's not that dramatic, but Absolutely. that kind of weird energy shift of like now I don't like the way she shrugs her shoulders or the weird stuff just starts to bug you. <laughs> yeah, just... <laughs> like her mannerisms become like the manifestations of the yeah. The but that's also because you were yeah. simply ignoring the lack of compatibility from the beginning. That and that's true, and that's I, yeah, wow. Well, let's play some of these messages, they're really up there. Uh, yep, let's get some I'll of them down. Up. That's awesome. We'll, we'll get through all of these guys. Uh, we just want to be respectful for the content, you know. All right, let's mm -hmm. let's get some of these out. So, if you wonder if you're a narcissist or if you, if you wonder if you're crazy, then you're most likely not a narcissist. Hmm, interesting uh, question. Yes, and no. Um, more likely, I guess I would say this, like, if you wonder, you test yourself and you keep wondering, like, if you consistently wonder, then you're probably not. Um, but narcissists every once in a while do have that thought, then they check and then they realize they're not like that kind of thing. So 
Mm. There's a, there's a, there's, like I said, there's some gray area there, but yeah, more or less, if you're self, if you're able to look at yourself, like actually self-analyze and you also admit you have faults and you've made mistakes and you're not perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Then you're probably okay. But it doesn't mean you don't have other issues. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to like make, you know, I always feel like I say that stuff and they're gonna be like, woo. And they go do other crazy stuff. It's like, we all got stuff to work on people. Slow your roll. Mm. Ah, yeah that's good i don't know about the kid thing because i think even a small child can recognize maybe a narcissist and know something's wrong there Ah, i mean well that that would that argue would be that children were intuitive enough to actually conceptualize and understand like their brains don't quite do that yet that's the misunderstanding they're pure but they don't have that egoic filter yet right and even like you were talking about before, like uh, like what there there there's a term I think ego egocentricism is something that doesn't develop in a child to a certain age. Like uh, right. like for example, there's a there's a experiment that is done with children where there's an uh, th- there's a thought experiment where they show like a dollhouse with two dolls, and one of the dolls leaves the room, and let's say John so Johnny leaves the room, and Sarah's still in the room, and so Sarah's still in the room, and Sarah hides an object in the room. And so Johnny comes back and the child must pre- like is looking is Johnny's looking for this item and the child has to predict where Johnny will look. And so up into a certain age, typically the child associates Johnny going to look in the place that Sarah hid the object. But there's no way that Johnny could know. And the reason that they do that is because they assume that the world knows everything that they know. They assume that the world is simply what they've envisioned in their mind, in their yep. perception of reality. And that, that's something that has to develop. So if you emotionally stunt a person at a particular place, well, well that gets backed up and that doesn't continue to develop and it becomes this right. very ego-centered view. And if you're abusing a child, quite often, I, I always imagine it um, in this way, like imagine puzzle pieces, right? Now, mom and dad are a certain shape and they, they sort of fit together. Um, but imagine their issues are also parts of those pieces. When the kid is born, if they haven't, if those parents haven't dealt with their issues, the kid is forced into a shape that fits their parents' issues to remain a part of the family because they can't escape. Mm. But it takes time and it takes more, it takes different amounts of time for each kid, like more or less being beaten into a certain shape that fits the parents. Mm. They don't realize that's what's happening they just know that once they go into that shape, they get to like exist in that family unit somewhat safely and comfortably. Mm. Right. They avoid whatever the damage is from whatever thing. They're not thinking good or bad. They're thinking survival. At least that's what I think. Right. And that's interesting. It proposes this idea like I, like a question like does perfectionism come from our expectations of people around us want are, like, for example, our parents wanting us to be perfect or, or is, and is the perfect that we strive for, is it a subjective perfect that's perfect for a particular individual? Uh, well, I mean, each of us have a different perception of what perfect would be. So hundred percent, but the guilt and, and whatever that goes along with the parents' expectations of perfection for their child is traumatic uh-huh. nonetheless. And that's why parents right. shouldn't expect their children to be perfect since they've never been perfect in their fucking lives either. Mm, and, and I think, <laughs> and I think that's where this, 
I think that's where this idea of toxic or codependent parents, like you mentioned earlier, yes. comes in where they're expecting Most of the abusers to... are not aware they're abusers. Yeah, they're 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 abused as well. I think we're talking about like generation upon generation of psychological abuse mm, and gaslighting wow. that is, we're dealing with right now. Yeah, and like social media just went wham and like supercharged all of it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And now and now there's everything's got to be a picture perfect moment. Right, which um, and, is all fake. Yeah. <laughs> it's all illusion. Yeah, and our, our social masks have become more important for us to maintain than our true selves. Mm. Wow. Wow. That's real. Wow. Have you seen the movie uh, uh, Us? It was the movie no. Us. That was, it was Joaquin Phoenix? I don't know, but I think it was anyway. centered around... It was the same guy who made... Uh, it, it was a very popular movie... Where you know the the black people were in the house and the, they were uh, get out. Oh, get out! It's the same right. people who made seen that one. I haven't seen that one. Everybody told yeah. me to watch it, but like, I don't know. You know, listen, I'm white, and it just <laughs> it rips. It, uh, I I didn't grow up with any hate at all. Like my mom's dated tons, and my dad's best friends. Like I, I I you know I never I understood it was there, but like society had to teach me about racism. My family did. Um, that that's good that and that's understandable that's understandable but yeah and so i get it i'm not trying to pretend at anything but watching some of those movies where white people are just that brutally evil really sucks for me sometimes it's like <laughs> fuck you and, and I, I completely and understand. i know it's not a lie either but it's like fuck you evil people <laughs> that's all i'm thinking anyway yeah yeah no let's uh, let's get some of these comments in yes, hello gentlemen nitty gritty comfort what's up gents I am nothing, I am nobody. I'm just here paying attention and just minding my own business sometimes. So thank you very much for your time. Well, we're, we're thankful to have you. Thank you for yeah, tuning in. You're something and you're somebody too, bro. Jeez. <laughs> like, don't eat, don't eat that much humble pie. Come on now. Yeah, some of okay. these, I'm, I hope you know that I'm uh, directly quoting you and these are going to go on my Instagram feeds later. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Yes, do it. I'm going to mute for a second. I'll in my right experience, okay. though, a lot of narcissists, especially the one in my life that I'm thinking of, um, ha have masks. They wear a mask. Mm -hmm. They're just this great person, you know, to everybody else, except for the people that are closest to them. Mm. Then they're just, you know, pretty toxic. Well, I think the delicate thing there is... Um, if you are not extremely close to them, I think you kind of have the liberty, unless they're like you're forced to be in that workplace. You have the liberty of setting boundaries, which I know is hard with narcissistic behavior. But um, you, if you're not extremely close to them, you have the ability to like distance yourself and keep a distance. And if you are extremely close to them enough to where you do interact with their personal circle on a regular basis, then I think there's a, a deeper conversation to be had. She was just mentioning like how... Um, you typically don't get to see the full on blown narcissistic behavior unless, unless you have you're close. access. Right. Yeah. And well, that's the whole thing because, because to maintain, this is as simple as the understanding it like this, maintaining a complex lie is very difficult. Very, very difficult when you're talking about using multiple people to keep that lie going. So they hyper control the people in their super inner circle and they lie to everyone else. And they sort of bully the people in their inner circle to go along with their lies, even though for the most part, those people realize that it's a lie. Wow. So, yeah. So they're, 
that's usually the tactic. If I've understood it as well as I'm hoping to, because I'm writing stuff about it too, like they view the people in their inner circle, their boyfriend, their girlfriend, their even their children, um, that kind of thing, coworkers, they view you as assets, tools, mm. pets, things that are that make them cooler. Mm. Or more or more effective towards whatever their goal is. But they don't see it as like we're gonna do an equal exchange. They just take. Wow. That's interesting. Okay, so how do we balance that? Right? I, I have a quote. I, I typically <laughs> <laughs> so I typically typically believe this idea that um if uh if your relationships, whatever they are, they should be purposeful. And if they're not purposeful, then more likely than not, then they're a distraction. So how do we balance like you're not I don't want to commodify you. I don't want to limit you to just this like, are you adding an asset to my life? But I don't want to enable behavior that is diluting who I really want to be. So what's the balance, do you think, between like not expecting perfect standards from people and and judging them with a balance and, and grace? Right. But not necessarily doing a disservice to myself. Well, I, that's why, and this is why I, I, I don't want to say preach, but like I say it over and over and over, like being unapologetically you, be genuine, learn mm. to love yourself, cultivate self-love, get your shit together, be in shape, take care of your body, care about your life, have goals, all of those things, make plans, actually do stuff. If you're doing all of those things, you don't really have time to go on Tinder, honestly, <laughs> Okay. What happens ideally is that along your path towards your passion, people who are compatible will show mm -hmm. up there. We Amen. spend way too much time going to bars and trying to date and looking for just straight looking for people. I'm online. She's hot. He's hot. How much does he make? How, what does she look like? Blah, 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 blah. You know, that's the whole resume thing where we're trying to like market ourselves to each other. And yeah. it doesn't work because honestly, you don't actually know what kind of person you are as a partner. Mm. you know what i mean like you only kind of think you do but right. you don't know from an outside perspective what what you're like absolutely that makes sense like they like they you only get a, a limited lens like how would you know how you interact with other people because right. you're not them or how you're even perceived because you don't right. know in fact often we over paranoid think always that people are thinking bad things when mm. in fact people are usually just thinking about things about themselves and they're not thinking about <laughs> us at all you know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> you know, so it's it's funny, but we're we tend to worry, we tend to over worry due to our own insecurities. And and I'm that way. I I hate, and I mean hate dressing up out in public. <laughs> I literally feel like, and and it's so Always? absurd. Yeah. Okay, I get no. I challenge you. Can you think of any time in your life when you were actually excited to dress up for something? Okay, Ever. not always. Not it always once. is a strong statement. I should not say always. What I mean is I frequently dislike okay. uh, uh, dressing up because, because I feel like all of the public eye is looking on me, but they really don't even care. Like when I, when, I, when I wear a suit versus when I see a different person wear a suit is a drastic difference. It's like, oh, he's wearing a suit. Okay, I keep moving with my day. But when I'm wearing a I, suit, it's like, oh, my God. Everyone's looking at me. Yeah. Everyone's checking me out. They can tell these sleeves are too short. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so what, what we, we haven't really touched much on and, and we're running uh, low on uh, 
we're, we're we've been talking for a while, right? And we're gonna get all the comments running, but I wanted to officially uh, settle at a certain point. Um, so about expectation, I personally mm. believe that expectation is a false paradigm. What do you? What are your thoughts on that? Well, I always say expectation breeds disappointment. There we go. So so okay. So we're two so minds. We great agree. minds think alike. Yeah. yeah, I think we agree. Like every time, think of a movie, for instance. You know what I mean? Previews mm-hmm. should get you excited for a movie and and and, and spark your imagination, but not mm-hmm. necessarily give you expectations. Of course, often they want to because they want you in there because of salesmanship. But that's what leads to us disliking so many movies we don't like. The mm-hmm. preview did not sell this right. Like I was duped. That kind of thing. <laughs> Yeah. Um, that pisses us off. But we also yeah. went into the movie with the expectations that it was going to be a certain kind of movie. Now, if wow. you go into every movie with a blank, zero expectations, except you like these actors or this idea for this movie, then you might end up liking what a lot of people think is a crappy movie because you didn't have expectations that were not met. Right. So it's like that. I would say the the best way to look at art is that way as much as you can. Take all of your expectations away and view art. Then see what you think. That's good. That's really good. You know, um, it's crazy. I was just having a conversation about, uh, with, a, with a guy about this. Um, and essentially, like, the idea that I was communicating, well, we kind of theorize that people are, are, like, different every 10 years, right? They're evolving. They're not the same sure. person about every 10 years, right? So if you have – if you've met a person – and you hold them to a particular expectation and you plan to have long lasting enduring relationships, well, your expectations are stale and old. And you know, right. no wonder we don't have these long thriving relationships because we're basing a, a new relationship essentially on old expectations. I think it's more accurate to represent your, your relationship by desires and the, the present desires that you have in a moment. And I think that's much healthier paradigm of communication even right now I can talk to you not of what I expected from you four months ago but what I desire from you today right constantly update your relationship software yeah (laughs) (laughs) the OS system yeah right yeah 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 that's really I like that I like that a lot that's really cool and, and I really think I really like what you said about the movie preview. And I think that ties perfectly back into expectation because we right, have like, this what is pre- a Tinder profile, but a movie, but a preview, <laughs> but a preview of a movie. And then I, I watch right. the movie and I give it a two out of five. And, right. and like, <laughs> like the, you know, you don't look like your pictures. I was duped. It's the same thing. No one likes to be duped. But but that's also like this revolving circle of the fact that we like these concepts like soulmate where we believe this this perfect we're expecting perfect. So the person feels like that they have to perform perfect to even stand a chance before you even see their humanity. Mm -hmm. Or some people actually think they're perfect (laughs) because we we sell that in society like it's possible. Hashtag narcissism. Boom, boom. (laughs) Uh, it's it's perfect how that all just comes full circle right here like all of that kind of just tying back into itself wow so so let's (laughs) play some more of these comments we got a ton of these piled up i'm I'm interested to see you guys' thoughts yeah i have noticed that they usually um the people around them they usually um Maybe she, uh, maybe she continued, yeah. Yeah. I'm 
actually have been sending these. Okay, anyways. The narcissist usually has people around them that are, like, pick up, they pick up, um, what's it called? Signs, or whatever you want to call it. Signs about the person, um, that shows that they're frustrated or some type of way, and that's, um, and they become, like, they also become hyper-focused in their own way, and, like, in some ways, they become narcissistic, narcissistic themselves and like a two-sided type person. That can cause a lot of other problems, too. Yeah, there's so, a lot of things that can happen. Yeah, a lot of different cocktails. So you were talking about false dichotomies, right? And mm. so based off what she's saying, I've heard of two primary types of uh, narcissists. You have covert and overt. What do you think about that? Is it a false dichotomy? Or is this some truth um, to it? Uh, no. Um, let's be real. Overts can be covert at times and vice mm. versa, depending mm. on the situation. So mm. I guess, you know, it's like anything else when it comes to where you like go on that balanced spectrum of whatever you happen to be. Maybe you're mm -hmm. going to be, I don't know, the example, like 40% overt and 60% covert. Mm -hmm. So you know, pretty unstable, or maybe you're 90% covert and 10% overt. And you're one of those mm -hmm. ones that like, you know, nobody believes you would be, you know, you're the, mm -hmm. you're the manipulate through guilt type of person. Um, they just, you know, there's a whole bunch of random combinations, but I don't think there's such a thing as like, again, labels are really dangerous. We should never uh, like 100% label anybody, any one thing. You, right. you exist somewhere on the scale of that from extreme to nothing, you right. know, that kind of thing. And we're all different. So it's not good or bad. It's just you got to, like, know what your personal equation is. <laughs> and, that's, and I think we hate that about life. I think we want there to be one exact answer just right. to we simplify. Right, we want it to be easy because we're yeah. lazy. <laughs> <laughs> But nothing, I mean, they've said there's so many wisdom, nothing worth doing. Does, you know, it all takes work. Everything takes work. Yeah. Yeah. There's no, there is no free lunch. No matter if somebody's selling you a get thin tomorrow pill or, you know, a new magic cure for everything, it's, it's bullshit. That's <laughs> not how things have ever worked, ever. So don't be confused. Everything takes time and effort and energy, right? You got to feed it yeah. with energy. Yeah. I, and I think you're absolutely right. So then I kind of, my other question is, so we focused a lot on this people, uh, the, this idea of perfectionism, but I think there's a, like a upside down to that of like trying and striving for perfectionism and not reaching it and being obsessed with the fact that you have not reached perfection. Right. And right. you think very Depression. negatively of yourself. Right. right. And so in my opinion, I, and you correct me if I'm wrong, but I think, even like depression and anxiety can contain a lot of narcissistic characteristics. Am I wrong? Or codependent. It, okay. It, it's and all, what's the really, distinguishment there? Um, again, well, the, the narcissist will be depressed because they're not outwardly, like they're not able, they're trying, they're faking too much of things. Like they want to be amazing. So that, you know what I mean? Everything keeps mm -hmm. failing. Their minions mm -hmm. don't do well, right? Their partners, don't make enough money or their children don't get good enough grades or haven't performed well enough. And you know, that, that kind of thing, the, the list mm. goes on and on. Uh, whereas a codependent 
is depressed because they keep failing. Mm. The narcissist okay. is usually being the one telling them they're failing. So it's like, okay. right? Everyone else is letting the narcissist down. So their life sucks and they're depressed. Codependents are more, and this is very generalized. So, I mean, it's it, like I said, it, again, right? We're not, no dichotomies here, but this is, so <laughs> we're just being general. That's, that's the difference. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Okay, guys. Well, uh, we've enjoyed all of the, the talk that we've had so far. So what I'm going to do now, we're going to transition and we're going to start uh, playing all the comments and I'm going to allow him to like answer all the questions that you guys can have or any thoughts di directly to me or him. And we're just going to uh, blast through what you guys are uh, sending us right now. Yep. Sounds good. I disagree with what you said, Nitty Gritty. Um, if nobody around me says no, it doesn't always have to mean because it's a red flag. And mm. I don't know how to compromise. It could mean that I'm agreeable as well. And there is no need to say no to me. Hmm. Interesting. It could mean that, but you would never hear the word no because you're agreeable. I think, I think to me, an agreeable person would do well with yeah, hearing the word no. Like, I think no. they would be like, okay, that's fine. And that's still a right. Of They're agreeable. Yeah, right. But he's professor. OG's right. That is technically one of the other possibilities. You're right. You got me. You got me. But I would say that that's less common in my experience, at least. So, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Okay, let's keep going. Okay. So I definitely feel like I was raised on that narcissistic spectrum. My mom was a overly um, codependent person and I kind of felt like I had to protect myself in a way of like controlling everything around me. Um, but I realized that when I was having kind of these people around me by, you know, um, controlling aspects of what they would see around me and like you said, controlling my reality, um, I realized that I wasn't fulfilled with fake people that I wanted genuine relationships and so when I realized these narcissistic traits I tried to work on them and I think I've done well over the years trying to critique and help myself but my question to y'all is how do you as a narcissist um if you are uh, have narcissistic traits how do you yourself oh, let's let her finish her question in the next one yep. so what do oh. you think love is nitty-gritty what do I think love is? Wow. All right, let's put a pin in that and double check and see if this other one got finished. Okay. I'm totally proud and ashamed of my past. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Potato, that. tomato, same difference. I like it. <laughs> That's hilarious. I like it. Yeah. Okay, well, I don't know if we're going to get back to the other end of the other one, but uh, what do I think love is? Hmm. Hmm. I don't know. I, I, I got to be honest. I have experienced the unconditional love of a child. I have felt love for my parents. I felt love for pets, friends, and all those different sort of things. But I've never, I don't, I'm not entirely convinced if I've ever actually felt true romantic love instead of um, sort of just repeating this uh, template I learned from childhood. So mm. maybe I'm not, quite the love expert except for when it comes to sort of trying to become or love myself sort of thing which hmm. is also really different good. so 
Yeah. I mean, I think I think if if you're talking about love, self-love, romantic love, uh, com- companionate love, I think all of those should have some common root in them. And so my definition, yeah. I kind of I have a I, I'm going to really go metaphysical here, <laughs> but okay. um, um, I don't think love is an emotion and I don't think love is an action. I personally think love is a state of being and that's it's a state of being that produces life produce or sustains life supports the growth of life right so when you talk about self-love you're talking about what can i do to sustain myself right what can i do for my health and my well-being and and that's a state of being that you practice sometimes that may manifest in emotions and sometimes that may manifest in actions but it is not in and of itself an emotion or an action right and you talk about the unconditional love of a child right it's it's healing it's therapeutic it's cathartic like feeling this it's thing but, as well right yeah it, yeah yeah and i think i think that's why so many people find redemption in their kids you know yep yeah so that's kind of like my my uh ethereal metaphysical definition there because I, I, like I think it. it's problematic if we label it one or the other right like like any place where you see growth and and then this limits that love has to be super emotional or passionate i think love can be sober and um and and calm you know it can be it can be su- about sustaining growth, and I think that that kind of love, even if you're talking about romantic love, is where you will see it thrive the best and the longest. Why? Because it's sustaining life. It's sustain- sustaining life together with another person. Mm. Mm. I like it. Yeah. All right. Let's keep going to this question because we still didn't touch on the other person's question about um, uh, she was asking about narcissistic behavior. Let's keep it right. Seeing shame as a teacher instead of a torturer is helpful. That's good. That's good. That's a good quote. That's a really good quote. Mm. Oh, also, um, I want to ask y'all and maybe y'all touch on this live or not. But when are y'all going to talk about the opposite spectrum um, uh, I, I don't know what would you call somebody the opposite of a narcissist, a people pleaser, um, an empath, um, something along um, those lines, but on the opposite spectrum of like what some what what's an ideal person for a narcissist? Uh, ooh, uh, ooh, a robot. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> the ideal well, person for a narcissist. Wait, wasn't that I the codependent that you mentioned? Like you, yeah, you were saying. Yeah. Well, again, this is this is where things always get dicey when we try to again make uh, dichotomies of like opposite ends of spectrums, light dark. Um, you, you know, it's more like there's a big sort of there's a bunch of spheres that all sort of exist together. Imagine a mm-hmm. bunch of bubbles floating, and they mm-hmm. overlap. You know what I mean? So it's, okay. you know, but yeah, traditionally, or at least more often than not, a codependent fills that opposite side of that equation with a narcissist very well. Okay. Because, or, and like she said, that's another term like people pleaser, but mm-hmm. I, I just, ah, it's okay to use these terms for us to understand sort of which direction or which polarization we sort of skew towards. But mm-hmm. I hope people don't, attach themselves to solidly to one of these things because i don't think those things are set in stone i think we can choose to shift those things 
Mm. So the, the more solidly we believe in our labels, the more, the more we're getting in our own, in the way of our own potential growth. Mm. I think that's good. I, and I think it's interesting because, you know, someone, you know, people say that you attract what you are, birds of a feather flock together. And so like mm. some obvious like issues with that are like people will say, well, I'm a sh- extremely compassionate person and I don't attract that. And I think, what I, what I was, what my thoughts on it anyway, and I'm curious to see what you say about this. I think it's about the, the, the commonality is boundaries, right? Whether you are the one lacking boundaries or you're the one overstepping boundaries, the commonality yeah. is there's a compromise and a problem, a, a breach of boundaries that's happening yeah. that, that is attracting that, that behavior. Is that what you, would you agree? Absolutely. Because codependents are, are chronically boundaryless. Mm. It's one of their biggest problems. Whereas narcissists are extremely, controlling so there are tons Mm. of boundaries that's where that whole idea of walking around on eggshells around somebody comes from Mm. does that make does that make any sense i I keep asking every time i talk to you does it make any sense that there's somebody in your life that you feel like you have to walk on eggshells around can you understand you're enabling toxic behavior now i'm not only saying you can do something about it sometimes the person who is is toxic is dangerous right but don't be confused about what Right. But like realize what you're doing in that moment, rather than thinking just I'm saving myself from them blowing up. It's like, I have to save myself from them blowing up or I have to challenge them. Maybe I shouldn't have this person in my life. Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) So that way I don't have to. There was a little bit of a dichotomy. Right. No, that makes sense. And I think, yeah. Or you start holding your ground. Right. Get ready. Right. I mean, so if you, if you can handle holding your ground, like maybe yep. you hold your ground and then the next level after holding your ground is if holding your ground is not respected, then you, then you, the next step is you have to remove yourself. Right. right. If, you know, and so I think that makes sense. Like I, right. I'm compromising. Yeah. I'm compromising myself. I am making a compromise with myself of my integrity because you won't allow me to stand up for something. So I have to remove myself. Yep. Yeah. That's, that's good. Wow, I doesn't seem these things are endless. Let's keep going. Hey, what's good? Nitty gritty comfort. Um, I'm loving the talk perfectionism and expectation. Um, I just uh, got in here a few minutes ago, so I'm still listening. Um, not many catch up. I would definitely like to interject. Cheers. Welcome. Thanks for having me, man. I'm I'm excited to see some new faces. I heard from him. Yeah. It seems like um, you're blending narcissism with sociopath <laughs> behavior um, when you're talking about the way that they see people as assets and stuff like that. Oh, yes, the sociopaths do. But I have had people, very close people, that are narcissists in my life that are not sociopathic. They're not liars. Um, they're just... Uh, narcissist interesting hmm. interesting but i was i wasn't blending sociopath i was just talking about toxic behavior but yeah i get I, what you're saying and a narcissist kind of does the same thing as a sociopath i would say the distinction being a sociopath does it actively narcissist does it instinctually mm, okay oh, that's that, okay thinking, that makes a lot of sense they're not thinking i'm getting assets but that's what they do they find people that that increase you know what i mean they do it instinctually mm-hmm. sociopaths mm-hmm. have missions yeah <laughs> i mean that's, yeah. yeah 
That makes sense. And I think I think to to speak to what she was saying, I think to to kind of rebuttal, I think you were more so if there is an overlap, it's more so because you were you were breaking down that the false dichotomy, right? We don't want to categorize things. So maybe there right. is some overlap the between the two of those things, right? Right. Yeah. Right. And this is just my experience too. So I'm not saying this is true for everything. It's just yeah. This has just been your truth. Right. So far. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with you that every like mental health, whether it's bipolar, depression, anxiety, ADHD, um, narcissism, all of those, they all have spectrums, right? Autism, they all have a spectrum. So you could be any form from mild to um, aggressive extreme, you know? So I feel like every single person's case is a little bit different, but they're going to have yep. similar traits is kind of like why people can be grouped there. But there's there's also traits for those um mental health um, issues that every person has but the reason that they have that mental health issue is because these things are happening so often in their life from such a young age that they now have this stuff affecting their everyday life that's when they can say okay you obviously have um, something going on and that's where that's how I feel about it anyway (laughs) thanks Ellie Tay and I think that's extremely true. And I think that individualizes us a lot more. It makes us a lot more human. You know, we're not right? just all nine on the autism scale. No, we're right. my, <laughs> you know, like maybe I'm completely functional and normal uh, to the outside world, but maybe I do have some, some autistic behavior. Right. And, mm-hmm. and maybe we should start owning that. And maybe that would normalize it and destigmatize autistic people. Yeah, that, well, that's the that's one of those things that still blows my mind. Uh, there's nothing wrong with people with autism. They're just new right. people. Exactly. That, and I think, yeah. I mean, I think, I, wouldn't you think, that, like, when you look at an autistic person, the way they hyper-focus, wouldn't the counter to that be somebody with ADHD? Yeah, exactly. You, you know what I, I mean? I, like, they're, it's, it's all popping out because of, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's not, nobody's broken. Nobody's broken. We're just different. Honestly, there are they are well, a lot of our very geniuses. Rare exceptions too. Yeah, I shouldn't be I shouldn't be so so inconsiderate. There are some people who have a much more traumatic Severe. struggle in that department mm-hmm. than others, and I and I respect and honor that. But we're just trying to talk about people who can actually be a part of this conversation. To be fair, mm. yeah, I th- I, that was a good comment to add. To be uh, sensitive, but let's yeah. wow. Okay, let's keep going. What's up, Comfort Free? What's going on, Nitty Gritty? Nitty Gritty, you have an amazing mind. Very, very dope. Very, very cool. Very, very interesting. Wow, that's quite a compliment. <laughs> I mean, hey, you've been you've been schooling me all day. I've I've definitely taken away a lot from this. So kudos. I'm I'm Thanks, really man. thankful for having this conversation. This has been very fun. I love talking and and listening, and I love talking about deep stuff. So. It's, it's my pleasure. <laughs> I might have to uh, steal you for to do this more often then. All right, let's keep going. All right. Hello, Nitty Gritty and Comfort Free. Just wanted to stop by and say blessings and good evening and Happy New Year, all that great stuff. So, yeah, just wanted to say hi as my kids over here crunching in the bag. Happy New Year. Thanks for coming out, man. Thanks for the positivity. I think that's always appreciated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. I think that codependents aren't just victims. I think 
the way you were saying that sounds like they're just victims um i think there's two sides to everything and if someone is continuing their codependent cycle and their patterns of being codependent that in itself can be like partially like narcissistic patterns that they have too because they're in their own little like bubble of like you know poor me kind of thing like just keep doing it yes okay just to clarify when i was describing the codependent as the victim that's when they are paired with a narcissist however you're right it is very possible quite common for there to be a toxic codependent person dating a a balanced person so to speak or someone who doesn't you know skew so far left or right um and in that case then yeah there's there's codependent predators epically so you know what i mean they're the toxic codependents are energy vampires too so she's right Mm. (laughs) respect and i think and i think to be fair everyone is a balance of a villain and a victim and no Mm. villain started off as a villain they started off as a victim I agree. So it's yeah. all about the choices you make afterwards, people. That's yeah. good. Yep. Yep, yep. I don't feel like myself. I'm an expert in the love field, but I have my children, which I know unconditional love is just like on, like any other love. And obviously you love your family and your, your close friends. But for me, love is just a flood of hormones from your body's natural reaction to enjoying um, a feeling of social interaction with a certain person. So it's like your body is just doing what it does, right? It's, just, it's, it's, it's liking something that is happening with a certain individual, and then your body goes, oh, okay, well, I like this. So what does your brain do? Floods your body with hormones of I like this, and that is where the feeling of love comes. But when you're talking about like true love, like I'm going to be with this person forever, I feel like that's more like you're not making a choice because that flood of I like this person doesn't last forever. So now you're choosing <laughs> that person, so you're now going to choose. That feeling must be happening more than it doesn't for you to choose them, I think. Hmm. Fair enough. Yeah, I think that's a good definition. That was um, a very I think good point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I love your definition of love, comfort. Thank you. I put a lot of thought into that one. No, it's really I like it. It's a it's a state of being. Yeah. yeah. Hi there. Yeah. The end of my question was basically just, what are some ways to help? Um, narcissistic um, behavior, like regulating, like, um, I know you said that this is your um, career. So what are some things that you would, you would recommend to your uh, patients on how to regulate their narcissism and kind of check themselves? Because no one really was checking me when I was in these very bad um, head spaces. And until my relationships with my puppets started falling apart. And I realized that if I did not want to not have fulfilling relationships that were meaningful, I had to change my dynamic between myself and others. So how, how do I regulate my narcissism, essentially? I would say remove expectations, if you can. Hmm. If and you are, in fact, a narcissist, that would be quite a challenge. 
I don't so, mean that so, in a negative way at all. I, I, I respect that challenge. If you are, I mean, if that's legitimately what's happening, then awesome. But that's you. That seems to be quite a feat for people who are supposedly narcissistic. So when you're removing expectation, are you removing expectation from other people or yourself or both? Other people. Other people. You should never okay. remove expectations for yourself. You know what I mean? Like you should expect yourself to be better than you were yesterday. Things like that. But okay. You know, the expectations again, that's why you should only compare yourself to yourself. Like when it comes down to challenging, be better than you were yesterday. Right. And, Not and better then, than I, someone else who else is today. I think that's a Jordan Peterson, one of those 12 rules for life ones. Dude, 12. I love 12 rules for life. I, I'm a big subscriber to Jordan Peterson. Actually, I would I would recommend on everyone on here if you want some rigorous, challenging things that are not just appealing to your uh, uh, to your opinion. Definitely check him out. He'll, he'll challenge you on some things. But um, yeah, I sure. think. Yeah, definitely will. Um, but uh, it's kind of I think it not. But I think there are some dangerous expectations, some unreasonable expectations, if you will. I think it's I think you're right. The only comparison that you should make is to yourself because you're the you're the re- relative point, right? Like I can look back right. at where I was yesterday. There's no way to compare me and another person in that same way, but I can have right. some dangerous expectations of myself that really damage my self-worth. I agree, and I think that's why that little voice in your head, and this is part of the programs and stuff I work with clients about like getting on your own team. That mm-hmm. voice in your head, your conscious, your ego, your subconscious, whatever you want to call it, people have a hundred different spiritual, that voice that messes with you, that's a bully or that questions or worries, that voice should be a coach. Mm. And that's, that voice should be the one tossing out expectations. When you're doing, you know, 10 pushups, that's the coach there going, come on, I know you can do better. Mm-hmm. But you get the difference there. Like, yeah, do a little bit more than you were able to, to be do. better. Yeah. Right. Not you're not quantifying necessarily how much no. better you're going to be. How, right? how yeah. would you measure it? Really? That's right. the funny part. Like it's impossible. Those things, so many things we try to measure that just really are not measurable. Not really. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At least when we come think... down to trying to compare things, you know, it's like, I don't understand. Mm. Like how and would I, I measure I... my life compared to yours? Right. How? Like what, where's the standard of measurement? Like what are we comparing? What's the standard that we're comparing to? Right, right, right. You where's know? the perfect Is your trauma to... more traumatic than my trauma? It's, it's just the dumbest thing to compare. It's such yeah. a dumb thing. I, and I really hate that. Like your life experience, like even if you, if, even if your, your cat didn't blow up from a bomb in Pakistan or something of that nature, sure. like, like, you know, like that's traumatic right that but like I, I even if you think about pain like how do you like how do you necessarily quantify like even physically how this is more painful than that i feel like after a certain threshold right. you're just kind of like i'm in pain that i don't it's right. not a 10 it's just pain exactly and because we all have different pain thresholds that means that a 10 for you is different than me right so it's like even that's not a completely accurate measurement even though we try to it, there's some strange things we compete about that we should stop. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we we compete about enough. I like competition is great, but like yeah. we've sort of gotten a little wackadoodle with everything. In my opinion, I, th- I think I think that's the offense with systemic imp- oppression too, because I think when you bring that topic up, people feel like you invalidate their personal experience, like you didn't have right. any traumatic experience just because you have privilege, which isn't true because everyone has privilege of some degree. Well, yeah, and trauma like your your experience is your experience 
quite literally. Yeah. And, 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 and no one can take varying that degrees of psychological and physical abuse exist on a very wide scale. So, mm. you know, like I mean, we all know that you can be completely rich and miserable. We know that. Absolutely. You know, you can live on a, in a, on a whatever, you know, like in an estate and, and be whatever and have an inheritance and a bunch of other stuff. It doesn't mean you're happy. Right. So, yeah. you know, and, and maybe maybe those are just spoiled, selfish things. But then why are they? You know, there's so many questions. <laughs> I try not to judge anyone's pain. I, I Like I said, I don't see how I can measure one compared to the other. Like yours is yours. And, I, and I, that's that's really good. And I, I love that you touched on that. Uh, for like rich people, I think you know they're still human. They don't have a perfect life either. Like, and you don't Some know. Of them are born into what... it. A lot of them are. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying it makes it okay what they do when they become adults. All that stuff's on them, responsibility wise. It's just un- it's good to understand that like everyone has trauma. <laughs> a- absolutely. And, uh, it's just different cocktails. That's all I'm saying. So yeah, that's, that's good. That's good. Let's keep going. We stump somehow stay at the magic number nine. I know. How is it? Stay? Hey guys. Um... I'm 19 years old and I've I've always struggled with perfectionism ever since I was ever since I can remember really but my parent my parents have never put any pressure on me but you know I've always felt a pressure to like you know overachieve make good grades and I was just wondering if y'all could kind of speak on different like different sources of perfectionism other than um parent parental pressure thanks Mm. Mm. i guess the question i would go to when it comes to grades and school kinds of perfectionism is what is what are you what are you shooting for right what's the end desire because quite often when people are trying to get they don't still don't know what they want to do they're just trying to get perfect grades so they have a lot of choices Mm. um and that's backwards you should actually be waiting to go to school until you have a better, a better goal to aim at. Mm. Um, because perfection in school isn't even necessary. It, you're not going there to get good grades. You're going there to learn the skills you need so that you can do what you want to do. Right. And if you're passionate about what it is that you want to do, you're going to most likely get good grades. They might not be yeah. perfect, but you're going to, you know, you're going to go through and learn and, and even getting bad grades sometimes is important because again, making mistakes and learning how to cope with those mistakes and get back up is super important as well. And it's, I think it's a life skill that most people miss. I think where you see most people excel is the yeah, ability cool. to cope with failure, not success. Right. Yeah. Um, right. And also like, there's a lot of like society pushes you. Right. Because of this, like there's a there's a grade, there's a great evaluation on your productivity. Right. You you're good. You're an A product. You'll produce this for America. I think that that kind of like social market value kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like (laughs) what do you you know, for for a capitalistic uh, country, that's I feel like that's a pretty uh, uh, communistic idea. Like, what do you like? Are you adding to the are you adding to the collective like you should? Um, Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so I think that kind of can aid to what you're talking about. So maybe maybe mm. you should in, have an internal investigation more of of what do you want out of life and kind of because because I think we have this illusion that we're the most familiar with ourselves. But there's a lot to investigate and discover about yourself oh, when yeah. you're domesticated with so many things. So I think maybe going on a process of what you're aiming for and kind of give yourself some grace and humanize yourself 
a little bit more. Maybe that can help with the standards. And, and, and when you do that, I think you may stumble into some ideas about why it is after you distinguish yourself from the general surroundings about how you came to this per- perfectionism and the perfect standards that you try to hold yourself to. Because if you think about it, perfectionism is very objectifying. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But I mean, it's, it's like any other archetype mentality, right? Archetypes exist for us to have like, like endpoints, extreme examples. Those are the archetypes. Right. right. The Greek gods, the Roman gods, so many of these like different like groups and ideas, comic book characters, they're all archetypes. Right. None of us are going to get to those things. It's, it's sort of like the direction you aim. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? If you're inspired mm-hmm. by Spider-Man, then you're sort of climbing the mountain with that mentality of like, with great power comes great responsibility. Responsibility, mm. you know. But that's that's like the format. That's the 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 code you're running as you're climbing the mountain towards your goal. Like the, we 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 try to be the best we can be. <laughs> it's really <laughs> what it is. You know what I mean? And if you can tell me that there's a perfect person in history, I'd love to hear about it. But we don't really have anybody that I'm aware of yet. Mm. That's you know undeniably a person that existed because <laughs> <laughs> there's a I lot caught of that subtweet. <laughs> yeah right it's no. like i gotta make a little cl- clarification anyway all right okay i feel like um i don't know like i wouldn't say that i like know everything but i feel like i know very well <laughs> kind of like both of the situations the narcissist <laughs> and the codependent because like my father is very narcissistic he is very like i know everything i'm I'm not going to like give you any praise. You have to do this. Why don't you do that? You should know this. Blah, 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 blah. Like, I'm, I've known everything. I've had everything happen to me in life. I, I had to work hard, blah, 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 blah. Whereas my mother was the complete opposite. My mother could not, for the friggin' life of her, say no to anything. Like, she'll, like, tell you, well, blah, 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 and try and say, well, why don't you do this? Why don't you try harder? Why don't you, why can't you just... And then she'll still give you what you want in the end. She'll still, like, she can't not bend over backwards for people that she cares about so like it's this total opposite 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 thing and I felt so conflicted as a child between them because my father made me feel like he hated me and my mother made me feel like she didn't approve of me but she would give me what I want so I knew yeah I I hear you yeah makes sense so today I just happened to celebrate one year and two days free and walked away from a narcissistic marriage congratulations hashtag my wounds are not visible fantastic good on the spot hashtag would not have thought of that in a million years (laughs) it's not mine it's uh it's it's uh goes along with i think International Narcissistic Abuse Awareness Day, which is like, oh wow, what day is that? I think it's like June first. June first, because it's Fun a, yeah. I I just yeah. In my studies, I came across it. I thought it was a very nice <laughs> hashtag. No, that I I agree. Actually, I might even look into that. I think yeah. Let's keep going. I think that a sociopath is always a narcissist, mm. um, but a narcissist is not always. A sociopath and a sociopath is always a liar always <laughs> always 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 um and a narcissist is not always a liar that's just my thoughts on that
can't see any reason to argue with that. I mean, I do. I think, I think so. I mean, like, especially when you're looking at so. It's hard to say always, always, always about anything. I, that, that, I didn't like that part, but other than yeah. That. <laughs> I think there's this particular variant of sociopathic behavior that is obsessed with morality for whatever reason, right? Like, I right. think maybe they're compelled, like they're literally compelled, not because of any emotional reason, but they're compelled by some type of psychological thing to always tell the truth or to always be mm. upright. In, in society, I think that's not actually too uncommon in um, some sociopathic uh, situations. Right, right. I, I, I wouldn't argue. No. Oh, you guys have Princess Charm over here giggling and so happy to hear you guys talk about the autism spectrum scale and make it more normalized. Because she said she is the normal one. We are all the ones <laughs> with issues. So, yeah. <laughs> If y'all like, find Princess Charm on here and follow her. She has a voice and she would like to speak, but she's afraid everybody will block her because they'll think she's a child. She sounds like she's 12, or maybe even younger, but she's really 31. She was born on winter solstice. She's my firstborn. She has a message for the world. So do so many others. Wow. I think that's beautiful. I think it's absolutely yeah. beautiful. Wow. I'm... I'm glad to hear that. That was that that was a comment that I I kind of hold personally. Thank you. Yeah. Wow. Thank you. Interesting. I really I really really like that. Nobody's broken. We're all just different. That was really really nice. I do remember saying something along the lines of that um, to a teacher in high school. Um, that was very. Very showed signs of like narcissism, and um, I was the only one who was very outspoken, still am, and who decided to stand up for somebody who was having a hard time. And I understood they were having a hard time because I've seen it before in myself. So, yeah, we're just different. <laughs> yep, yep. I personally um, struggle with ADHD, and I, I, I think it's a pretty pretty rough <laughs> um, form of it in the way that, like, my life can sometimes be so chaotic, but like you said, they can hyper-focus. Like, I, and with, with my, look at me, with my ADHD, like, sometimes if I like something, I really, really like something, I, like, I go full-fledged into it. Like, I can do it for hours and hours and hours, but, like, something that does not interest me, it's like trying to nail glue to the wall. It's just not going to happen. So, you know, it makes my life a little bit frustrating sometimes, but um, the biggest struggle for me is the fact that I was diagnosed at 25. So it took um, a long time for me to realize that there was actually something. It wasn't just me. <laughs> I thought I was just, that was me. I was something wrong with me. But, you know, I've got a lot of uh, progress since then. So, hey, you're right. Everybody has their own unique way and nobody is weird. <laughs> We're all weird. <laughs> Yeah, there's nothing wrong with you. The only time I ever, uh, I do this with clients all the time. It's like, <laughs> if you're unhappy with where you are in life, like if you feel stuck or lack of motivation or you, all those things, you know, the real question is, you know, what's in the way in your mind? What hmm. is it that you believe that's keeping you from taking action and trying? Hmm. You know, and usually it's something like fear. Fear is a really big one. Um, and that varies for everyone, but like, that's what to look at. 
you know? Yeah, I think that's really good. Um, I think it's important to speak on, too. Like, First off, I want to say that, for example, even going back to autism in the comparison to, like, ADHD, I don't mm-hmm. think they're... I don't think they sh- they wish they should be considered abnormalities because it's those kind of people who tend to offer the world something different than they've ever had before. I yes. think a lot of the geniuses, geniuses. come out of them right. because of the variation of them. And, and, and because we have not normalized that difference, we've made it very hard for them to exist in society because no one really wants to acknowledge their presence because they're seen as a deviant. But I right. wanted to or ask they're you. difficult to, to communicate with because they, you know, they function differently. Yeah. It's not a bad thing. It's not saying they're wrong or you're wrong. They're difficult to communicate with because you think differently. So I that's think what we even... need to learn how to do, like learn how to like extend and widen our ability to communicate more, you know, than we have. Before. Yeah, that's good. And that's good. And understand things different than our own point of reference. Um, right. I think, do you think it's even kind of problematic, even in some, some situations, to call it a disorder, even? What, what do you I think about say, that? I would say, okay, the only time that I, I and this is, again, this is my opinion. I got to be very clear because it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's, I'm not representing the industry. But for me, it's, it's dysfunctional when it becomes dangerous to other people. Mm. Okay. When, when, and I think when that's one for human being, yeah, when one human being steps into another human being's agency, that's a violation, right? Mm. Um, the only time that that's considered okay is when they're, those things are chosen, right? You get a job, you're allowing them to take control of your agency, you become a part of their job, their business, you know, that kind of thing. But not the other kinds of ways where, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If someone's got, says they're on the spectrum <clears throat> of those things and they're violent, that's that's not okay right because this is about us all living coexisting peacefully so there is some compliance that needs to happen on both sides of that spectrum okay that's so good it's, it's we've got a lot of learning to do it's not like it's you know this isn't a small problem this is <laughs> because it's, it's gonna take a while yeah you know but i yeah. like that the conversations are starting to happen a lot more i hear a lot more people talking about this stuff and I, that's where we're gonna that's where we're gonna find the answers all right, so we're back at the number nine, and now there's a My plus bad. sign. My so, bad. I'm gonna shut up. No, no, no. These up. are no. These are great comments, and I think you're giving the audience exactly what they want. So there's no rush there. I just right. want to make sure we get through them all. So they're uh, excellent yeah, comments and and excellent uh, replies, audience. So thank you. So basically, I I used to be a narcissist. I thought that, that question would just be helpful for people. But what ended up happening was like I was a narcissist for like my whole life, and then I started noticing this, and I just completely went on this other side of just completely having very negative self-worth um and so now i believe that now i have to communicate certain needs um and boundaries and expectations that should be healthy they shouldn't be asking too much and they're obviously agreeable if not, like, I'm not going to spaz out anymore when you tell me no. Because when you're talking about the whole no thing, I usually am really bad at the the word no. You know, like, I'm used to getting what I want. And if I don't, then I manipulate it. But I'm, I'm working on it. Well, good for you. I'm happy to hear it. I really am. Uh, what do you... I'm kind of unsatisfied with this conclusion... Of narcissism, I kind of feel like is there is there like this redemptive breaking point for them where 
you you uh, tend to see a switch in behavior from extremely no, narcissistic to first, dysfunctional. This girl, sad, sadly, sadly, um, yeah, that's the first instance I've heard of somebody who and that, that would make me question. And again, only from my experience, whether or not she was in fact like d- clinically diagnosably <laughs> narcissistic and instead had a few narcissistic, narcissistic habits tendencies. that she learned from from someplace like strategies she learned that were narcissistic for sure that now mm-hmm. she has realized um and she's speaking about like low self-worth usually when people hit rock bottom that's their chance to really do some serious self-reflection mm-hmm. um and she's basically saying that she was a narcissist who hit rock bottom and she did mm-hmm. some self-reflection it's the first time I've heard of it. So I'm, I'm kind of impressed and I, but I'm not saying it's impossible because what a horribly morbid idea that would be. So, yeah, I think and it's really you know. like that. We haven't found like, man, like we just haven't even, solved. Yeah. It's like, it hasn't happened yet, but it's not like it's impossible. Right. Obviously, okay. That we haven't stupid. presented a, a very high probable solution for it as of yet. Exactly. We are right. still searching <laughs> for that equation because we're not perfect. <laughs> Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. All right. Yep. <laughs> One thing that I always thought trauma was had to be a big traumatic event like being in a war or like your parent dying or something like car crash or something big and when I actually I- started doing some research it just completely blew my mind realizing that trauma is can be anything anything that Mm. you aren't ready for emotionally to handle and that's when I started healing myself from codependency because I was like shit I think I have some trauma wow we're getting some testimonies out of the work that's that's powerful stuff I you know you never know who who's listening and how they react to that. So thank you for sharing. Yeah. Yeah. It does help to share. If you're ready, it helps. Yo, this is like a perfect topic, especially for 2021. Cause I think this topic definitely expands. Um, I mean, you're talking racial, <clears throat> racial issues when it comes to, you know, like someone of a certain ethnic group, like being African-American and the pressure, you know, um, in society, you know, to, you know, look a certain way, be a certain way, talk a certain way mm-hmm. so that we are portrayed a certain way so that we are accepted by a certain group of people sometimes. Right. And then, right. you know, Ridiculous. when you also have on the other end, you know, you know, still the struggles of being LGBTQ plus, you know, and this idea of perfectionism or expectations by society, that's man, that causes a whole lot of of mental health problems. Mm. I, I think he's right. And I think, <laughs> yeah. And I think, I think it's this dangerous teeter totter wheel of like, because for example, I, I guess I can speak from like, uh, like the, what he mentioned, like race, like you, because you're objectified as the, or, or de, or dehumanized as this yep. villain, you, you have to strive for this exact opposite which is still dehumanizing that you have to be this perfect product, this perfect right. consumer product that you that, like to fight the stereotype. And it's extremely wearing and tearing and exhausting to, to kind of do that. So I can definitely, it definitely perfectly relates. And I think a more, 
I think what people are trying to do now, which I think is much more productive than just purely aiming for perfection, is aiming for uh, uh, individualization, like distinguishment, like I am a human just as you right. are, and starting to and see, be like, and I think that, yeah, and I right? think we're seeing people, a lot more, go ahead. No, I mean, because people at this level, when we're having conversations, I'm finding more, especially through stereo and, and through clients, like p people really enjoy talking to people. We, we, we don't, but we've all stopped because of social media. So everyone's typing and posting like, but actual conversation with strangers isn't that strange, but we've disconnected from that, right? We need to be able to mm. communicate so that we can hear the fact that like most of us on a pretty human level can be genuine and not very hateful. Mm. You know what I mean? It's when that, we get into good. these weird yeah. polarized groups that we start to make some really crazy, you know what I mean? It's like, that's why some of these tribes, I, I'm, I'm sort of like, hey, stop making all these tribes. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> you know, um, yeah. but I don't know what the answer is to that massive problem. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. I think that you can have expectations for people without being narcissistic or controlling. It's just that those expectations for people have to meet them where they are and not where you are. Like you guys said, like you can't compare yourself to somebody else because you're two different people. But I think it's unrealistic to not have expectations in the relationships that uh, you do have. Okay, I got something to say about this. You can have expectations only based on what they've agreed to do. Hmm. So whatever they've agreed, whatever they said they were going to do, then yeah, in a relationship, you can expect them to do that. But you can't expect them to even improve if they haven't said they were going to. You know what I mean? It's, it's one hmm. of those things where you... Expecting someone else that you're dating, like if you're, if you're trying to like pick up your partner, so to speak help them get them to get, pull their head out of their ass, whatever. Uh, more often than not, it's a losing fight. Like you just need mm. to leave. That's their rock bottom. And maybe they wake up, maybe they don't, but other people are not your responsibility to fix. Mm. That's good. And, and, and I think even more than, I think I, I have to disagree with not you, but with uh, the comment, particularly because let's say you do have, you're holding someone to an agreement, right? Every mm. contract, it, it's what it is. It's a contract. It's an it's a audible contract. Sure. It has conditions and in, in, in things that you signed. And, and there's going to be fine print for that situation, especially with something as complex as life that's going to make that condition fallible, right? Like there's so many life situations. Like I, I, I agreed verbally that I was going to improve today, but that was before. Yes, that's before tomorrow happened. And then tomorrow happened. And then, well, my, I, I don't want to be better anymore. You know, like what, what right. are these conditions? The contract's been violated because it's, it's been broken. The situation is different. And instead you, you still, what's left over is that other person having the desire for whoever to change the desire exactly. is what lives. Expectations. Right? Yeah. <laughs> it's a very dangerous thing to do for other people. Very, yes. very dangerous thing to do, you know? I think the, right, uh, the, even parents would have a hard time having that kind of, like, you You would yeah. have to be, you first of all, you'd have to almost be the perfect parent, right? Like, 
emotionally and mentally nurturing and loving, uh, keeping them safe while also putting them through challenges and making, you know, giving them the education, all that stuff. It still doesn't guarantee that that kid's going to be successful with that. And so, you know what I mean? Where does that line get drawn between like your expert? You could be very disappointed because you put all that effort into it, but you get what I mean? That's one of those ones where it gets really close, but I'm not, I'm still not convinced. So. And then and then I think there's a danger where the expectation is more about you and less about the relationship. Oh, yes. Well, that's the whole thing. It's like if you have an expectation for someone, you're basically saying in your head, I want this person to be more like this. But you don't get to mm. do that with people. Can right. you even do that with yourself? Because you yeah, should probably like, do that I'm first. I'm going to be this tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> you know, or I should get better <laughs> at this. You know what I mean? If, if you're not good enough at doing that yourself, you really shouldn't do it to anyone else ever. Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that means that like, you've got to wow. be pretty mm-hmm. high on the awesome scale before you start thinking you can be fixing anybody else. And I, I don't, mm. you know, like even I, as a mental health coach, I don't fix you. I just help you get back into a you mindset that lets you, yeah. So that you can fix yourself. I help you get yeah. back to that point. That's good. Cause that's the only person who can fix you. You're the only one who can fix yourself. You know what I mean? That's good. Mm. Let's keep going. So I don't know if you guys have ever watched Black Mirror, but Black Mirror does this, um, this like fake joke on like how America has this social worth and how every single person has like ranking above their head of how sociable and how perfect um, and how um, picturistic and perfect that they look. And you guys, if you guys have not seen that Black Mirror episode, it's really good. And it's exactly what you guys were talking about, uh, about this. It, it's a really cool d- d- depiction of how we treat each other in America based Super on um, our perfectionism um, or what's mm. the standard of being enough. Mm. Yeah. You're not it a product, like you're a, a person. Yeah. And the, like the higher you were on the, on the score, like social media value kind of score, the more views, mm-hmm. the more likes, the more attention, the more energy you were getting, like the mm-hmm. higher kind of gated community and lifestyle you got kind of thing. Like mm-hmm. it really affected everything. You couldn't even get loans or jobs if your, if your score was too low. It was wow. all about that. Like just, it was, yeah, awful. Like, it, was, it was a very hard episode to watch because it was like one of those ones just like Black Mirror does. It's like just a little too close to, we're like almost there kind of. <laughs> With so many adults. <laughs> it's not like uh, you know, twenty years in the future. It's like maybe in the summer this could happen. You know, that kind of crap. It's like ah. Anyway, and I think that's profound. I think that's where we need to be because that discomfort, yeah. that tension, is exactly what the motivation we need to change, right? And mm. um, and it needs to be normalized. Like we're we're uh, stigmatizing the incentive to change. We're making it wrong to have incentive to change. Discomfort. It's just the motivator. Because we're all trying so desperately to all be the same. That's the, that's the goal right now, right? Is, is sameness. Yeah. Equality yes. rather than like equal respect of individuality. Right. And, and a poor, a very poor execution of the first amendment. Right. You know, like where's <laughs> my, <laughs> like what's it there for? If we're like, is it just, we're not going to use it? Like, right. Right. Yeah. 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 And, and that's exactly what that's the, that's my goal. And that's my aim. And that's why I'm lo- glad to have you because you came right on and you started challenging like narratives of what's acceptable. Well, no. And in fact, regardless of if you're the victim or not, you still have a part to pay in the problem. And even that, if that's uncomfortable, it's necessary to acknowledge. Well, and, and for me, it really 
because that's that sort of thinking is good to be empathy, you know, to show empathy towards. But it's like, don't mm -hmm. even go there. It doesn't matter. This is just where you go so that you can start fixing it. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like there's so many people who start to throw out the guilt or the whatever or the, the, the shame or what. It's like, no, no. <laughs> Seriously, we've all got crap. Get over it. Get over it. You know, get your shit together because you can. You know what I mean? I always mm -hmm. I had to tell myself when I got to my rock bottom this last time, my my I would say my biggest. I don't know. It's hard to measure another rock bottom. Hopefully the last <laughs> um, mm -hmm. when I sort of was climbing out of it, it finally hit me. It's like I'm not dead. So I'm still in this game. You know what mm. I mean? My, my, my body's still healthy. My mind still works. You know what I mean? If I have mm -hmm. to start at zero, I still can. I just have to have the balls to do it. You yeah. know what I mean? And that's really what it, mm -hmm. it was like. You're not dead. Then you still have everything you need within yourself to get better than you were yesterday. Yeah. And that's really, that's good. really that's what really it comes good. down to. You know what I mean? It's like you got it all. It's just you, you're in the way. <laughs> yeah. there was a um there was a movie that me and my friend were watching and this guy he got shot with an arrow in the middle of the snow and it really proposed this new thing to me and it was like okay so it's great that you have the ability to self-medicate and heal it's a very important skill to have but in some present moments you won't always be able to lick the wound until you're comfortable enough to move on in some cases and situations you're going to have, you still have something to accomplish no yep. matter what the situation is. So it's not discrediting the severity of the situation you're in, but you still have, you're still a human. You still have to yep. eat. You still have to provide for yourself. Yep. So that's sometimes why I liken it to climbing a mountain. Like that's yeah. how I, uh, that's how I conceptualize life. It's like you're, you, you set your goals. Like, what is it you're passionate about? That's the top of that mountain. And you climb and that's going to, it's going to be a bitch of a climb and you have no idea of the challenges that are going to be along the way, but you just take your breaks and keep freaking climbing. You'll get mm. there. Like that's what every, you know what I mean? Every successful person says that just don't quit. Mm. Right. Almost everyone quits right before they succeed. Mm. <laughs> yeah. And I don't think we delve into enough of the why you don't quit, you know, like, and I think that's kind of right. why people kind of like, you're like, well, well, why shouldn't I quit? It's hard and my problems are real. Well, yes, your problems yeah. are real, but, you know, yeah, but you, yeah. It, anyways. Here's a fun one that helps to think about it. If you've got a project, a goal, think of it the same as like planting a seed, right? You, you, all you can do is water that seed and make sure it gets sunlight and the proper energy, but you can't control its rate of growth nor how it grow, grows. You know what I mean? Like you can't decide when it'll mm -hmm. bloom, how it'll move. Is anything wrong about it? No. All you can do is feed it energy and see what it does. And that's the same thing with your goals. That's why expectations are just the stupid thing. Don't expect, don't imagine the end goal. Just aim at something and keep climbing. Mm. That's so good. That's so good. It's very present moment. Going. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yes. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Hey, hey, nitty gritty. Hey, hey, nitty gritty. What's up, Corey? Hey, nitty gritty. Uh, you haven't sent me an invite, sir. All right, I will, but I'm having a conversation with Comfort Free. You should say hello to him too, Cor. Come on now. I'm sure she will. <laughs> She's a friend. I will. Reaching Sorry. for excellence is not the same as perfectionism. Um, Absolutely. I don't think. And there's there's some, you know, perfectionism that is just part of a person's personality, I think. And 
it actually um, helps Maybe. in many fields. Um, my husband is an engineer. And I tell you what, you want someone with that A-type personality that wants everything to be correct <laughs> when you want something engineered. So there's that. Ah, but correct is not necessarily the same as perfect, especially to an engineer hmm. who would probably think that they could improve it even after hmm. it's completely done correctly, right? Like, there's a, I get that, but I'm just trying to get around the semantics of that. <laughs> I, I, I think it's important. I think it's yeah. important that we get people on semantics because there's there's small nuances and distinguishments, and that's why we right. have all of these words that we do. And I think they sometimes can reveal profound things. So right. I, I, I don't know. I've, I've known a lot of engineers, and very rarely do I hear them say something is perfect. It was just like everything was done. They might say everything was done perfectly, like everything was done the way it had to be done. But like whatever. But that just means correct. Is, right. Right. And. That's that's what I'm saying. Like I think in that particular situation that there's right. a distinction. But you know, people use words very freely, and it's hard to always know. You got to think about like context and uh, and intention. Mm, absolutely. Nitty gritty. You Nitty fell asleep on me yesterday. I forgot I to schedule a talk with me. I'm sorry. But it's all good. I just I came know. in here to send you guys some love. What's good? What's popping? What's happening? And what's up? It's the kid from Philly, the always so bossy and ever so flossy, Mr. XOXO Vinny Blanco on your motherfucking stereo. Wishing my favorite, Mr. Nitty Gritty and Mr. Comfort Free. I don't know you, but I'm getting into you. A beautiful broadcast on this evening. Send you guys a bit light, love, positivity, and energy. And only way that Blanco can do so. Um, I'll be here for a little bit, then I have to go to bed because I'm back at my morning show, 9 a.m. New time tomorrow morning. I actually get to enjoy a full night's rest without having to wake up too early. This is really exciting for me. Oh, 2021 <laughs> is the year of Blanco business. If no one has told you, you've heard it here and you've heard it now. Um, so make sure that you get back at your boy. Yiddy! He's so much fun. <laughs> I can tell. Like, I, I went and followed him right now just because of that. I was, I was pretty. Oh man! Like, oh, oh you. Yeah, yeah. You need to know if you don't know. Yeah, everybody listening. You don't know Vinny. Go follow Vinny Blanco. You're not going to be sad. He is extraordinarily entertaining and insightful. He's a good guy. Uh, uh, yeah, we've had a good combination of, of things to have. Yeah, yeah, and he's clearly very uh, entertaining. Really entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's the perfect way to wake up to the morning. It's just like, all right, I'm, I'm right? excited about today. Talk about waking up, yeah, all peppy, for sure. <laughs> I like cocaine. Me too. Next question. <laughs> Hopefully in small doses. You're right about right. that, man. So uh, what are we going to do to resolve that? I don't sure necessarily what know what you're re ref yeah. you're referencing. Yeah. yeah, I was just joking about the cocaine thing. I should be clear. I just thought it was funny. <laughs> yeah. But cocaine's fine. Expectations um, for people shouldn't be just expecting what they agreed on for you to expect. I don't know if I'm wearing that right, but it's it shouldn't just be that. It should be along with, I'm going to forgive you when you fall short and fall back on your own word when I try helping you mm. or holding you accountable. It's 
also it I feel like it should come along with forgiving and maybe having a conversation about hey this is what you did um and I forgive you what can we do it shouldn't just be by itself you know forgiveness Okay, but I would, I would, what I, what Absolutely. I, what, what that spoke to me though was a relationship that was begun and committed to before you truly knew each other. It's just, you know mm. what I mean? Like, it, it, you're speaking about what it would mean to like a commitment kind of thing, and forgiveness goes along with that kind of level of commitment. Absolutely. But if that person hmm. is not actively getting their crap together, and they don't seem like they're ever going to, you know what I mean? Or you haven't seen them. Like if you met them and they had the crap together and then something happens and then they go into a funk, that's different, right? But if you met them and they said they were going to get their crap together and they never do, then you and it's you a continuous them? violation of boundaries. Right, exactly. Because they're not really sort of sorry, going against right? their they own word. Been... Right. Actions, man. Yeah. Watch actions. People change or they, they don't, but they're what they're... Yeah, what their their words should always match their actions, <laughs> if, if, as often as possible. And I so, say that yeah. too because you know, there's the expression: all a man has is a word, is his word and his deed, which means that yep. the 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 word and the deed should line up. They should they should be in unity with each other. And we were talking earlier about different. Or else kinds your words don't mean anything. Yeah, completely. But like different kinds of trauma that are different from like not just like war trauma, but. Even growing up in a childhood full of a million tiny broken promises, which are basically going against what you said you were going to do in front of a child, is traumatic uh, over the mm-hmm. long term. You know what I mean? Not all trauma is, is singularly eventful. Sometimes it's a mm. slow poisoning. Mm. So That's it's good. important to well, keep that in mind. M- I'm on low juice. I'm on low power. This has been a great talk. I've really enjoyed it. Uh, So I'm going to hop off here, guys. I hope you guys enjoyed it. This was a pretty productive conversation for me, and we'll see you later. All right. Nice to meet you. You too, man. Have a good night. You too. All right.